HeyYA is sponsored by Book Riot Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, the smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read, and it is a great gift for readers this holiday season. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quote, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Get one for yourself or for the readers in your life at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Welcome to Hey Way. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We are recording on Thursday, November 21st, 2019, and this is our holiday recommendation extravaganza. Yes, the holiday special. Yeah. So I put a call out on the old Instagram for people to submit questions for like book recommendations that they wanted. And I thought, okay, cool. We'll get like five or six. We got 20. Um, and that is amazing. So we are going to do our best to hit all of them. Yes. And since this is a holiday special, uh, me and Kelly are actually in claymation, but you just can't, you just can't see it, unfortunately. <laughs> And, and since we are in claymation, can I just say, like, it's hard to read? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, um, I just finished a YA book, and it was the first YA book I've read in a while because I'm still doing the audios, and, like, that is taking up all of my, my reading energy right now. And I'm going to talk about it with one of the recommendations, but I would love to hear what you're reading, if you're reading anything exciting right now. Yeah, well, oh, man. So it's the – it's – it's getting to the end of like the publishing season, so I'm pretty tired. You know, I almost said insert friendly banter here from the script instead of actually <laughs> talking. Um, and the holiday season's upon us. It's that time of year where we all start getting tagged in every Christmas tree or menorah made out of books with like, mm-hmm. did you see this? Like, yes, Aunt Karen, I saw the picture. Everyone keeps <laughs> tagging me in it. Please stop. That's what I'm reading. So I'm, I'm on a little middle grade trip again. Um, I picked up a few fun superhero-related middle-grade reads, so I've been reading uh, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Dean Hale and Shannon Hale, and uh, Black Panther, The Young Prince by Ronald L. Smith. Uh, I also started reading Sam Maggs' debut middle-grade book, Conquest, uh, to blurb it, which is very exciting. Um, it comes out in June, uh, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a middle-grade adventure set around Comic-Con, uh, and it's making me so happy because instead of, like, saying... Like, instead of a character being, like, super into Doctor Who, the character is into whom MD, you know? So there's all these, like, <laughs> just hilarious ways of, like, not saying what the thing is, but you know what the thing is. And uh, Oh, I love that. Oh, it's it's been so funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to get caught up on... Uh, Cut up on manuscripts at work and reading smaller books. Um, but breaking that trend, uh, I got a copy of Mindy McGinnis's Be Not mm. Far From Me, which 
I got it too in the mail and oh, I was no. hoping you would talk about it. Oh no, Kelly, this is like a perfect book for us. Um <laughs> I know. Like I think I found like the most Kelly and Eric book of like 2020. Um so here, let me read the 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 jacket copy here. Uh The World is Not Tame. Ashley knows this truth deep in her bones, more at home with trees overhead than a roof. So when she goes hiking in the Smokies with her friends for a night of partying, the falling dark and creaking trees are second nature to her. But people are not tame either. And when Ashley catches her boyfriend with another girl, drunken raid sends her running into the night, stopped only by a nasty fall into a ravine. Morning brings the realization that she's alone and far off trail. Lost in an undisturbed forest with nothing but the clothes on her back, Ashley must figure out how to survive despite the red streak of infection creeping up her leg. Oh my god! Mm, so it's yes. a Mindy McGinnis survival novel. I mean, I know we got like a hint of her like survivalism with like not a drop to drink, but like this, you know, all alone in the woods. Hurt. There was a party. Things went bad. Like, oh man, I I cannot wait. It comes out in March 2020, and I'm super excited. <laughs> Me too. I got this one maybe yesterday or two days ago yeah, in the too. mail, and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's gonna be so hard to wait to read it. Um, and maybe I just won't wait because it's like catnip. Oh yes, total catnip. Do you want to hit our first sponsor before we dive into our show of recommendations? Sounds good. So, our first sponsor for today's show is The Queen of Nothing by Holly Black. Sharpen your blade, harden your heart, journey to fairyland in the number one New York Times bestselling Folk of the Air trilogy. What started with the cruel prince and the wicked king finally ends with the jaw-dropping finale, The Queen of Nothing. To win her place in the high court of fairy, Jude must risk her own life and defy the fae that despise her mortality. Caught between her ambition and humanity, Jude will learn the meaning of true power in this explosive, dazzling series from award-winning author Holly Black. So the reviews I've seen of this one, people are really satisfied with it, which is awesome. Oh, excellent. It's so nice when an author has had so much hype about a series and then you get to the final book and readers feel like really good about that ending. Yeah, I feel like I've seen a lot of people tweeting like, who's finished this book? Who can talk mm -hmm. to me about this book? Uh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. So uh, let's let's dive in. What we're going to do is we'll go back and forth. We'll read the request, and then we will offer up our recommendations. And like I said, we've got almost 20, maybe more than 20. I don't know. I paired some of them that were kind of similar together. So uh, let's, let's knock this out of the park. And our first one, the question is, what are some backlist titles we love, I think we meaning you and me, uh, that... We might not talk about enough that any hardcore YA reader should pick up, and the note was that contemporary was preferred. So I have two here. Uh, my first one is Kiffy Kiffy Tomorrow by Faiza Gwain, and this one was published as an adult book in 2001 or 2002, but I think were it republished now, it would definitely be YA, and it's a story of a girl who her parents uh, are separated. She's moved from uh, North Africa to the suburbs of Paris, where she is really struggling to fit in and struggling to find her way as a Muslim girl in a community that's not super accepting of who she is. Um, the voice in this book is just outstanding and one that 
I recommend to everybody who's looking for some kind of book um, that really dug into inclusivity issues early on. Um, that's Kiffy Kiffy Tomorrow by Fiza Gwain. And my second pick for this one is one of my all-time favorites. It's Big Fat Manifesto by Susan Vaught. And again, this one came out maybe 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. And it's about a girl who writes for her school's newspaper. She writes a fat positive uh, opinion column and is very forthright about being fat positive, loving her fat body. And um, the real sort of challenge in the book is her boyfriend decides to get surgery for weight loss. And so she has to struggle with this idea of one right way to be a fat person, one right way to have a body. And uh, it changes the dynamics of her relationships quite a bit. Um, But the Jamie is the main character's name and her essays in the school paper just outstanding um this was like a big leader in fat positive books in YA and still I think one of the best ones out there and that's Big Fat Manifesto by Susan Vaught nice and for me um well maybe the earlier books by Jenny Han I know Kelly has talked about uh the summer I turned pretty series before um in fact I think a lot of the earlier books from some of my favorite YA contemporary writers might be good backlist places to start uh, My Life Next Door by Huntley Fitzpatrick is a book I don't think I've ever mentioned on here before. Uh, and I love Huntley's novels. They're so fun and swoony. Um, Amy and Roger's Epic Detour by Morgan Matson. Uh, I know I've talked about her uh, later books and not necessarily this one. Uh, and yes, I know I've talked about this one before. I'm going to mention it anyway. And that's Nina LaCour's The Disenchantments. Mm. Uh, it's probably like one of my favorite backlist YA contemporaries. Those are all some really good recommendations. Yeah, that's a good list. Do you want to hit the next question? Sure. Uh, our next question is, I'm a middle school librarian, a new one, at a Title I school, and I'm looking for middle grade books with diverse characters overcoming trauma. This one's hard. It I, is. It's so funny because at the beginning of the show, I'm like, I'm reading all this middle grade. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm like, oh, I don't really read middle grade. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do dig into it now and again, but like, I feel like not enough that I could dish much here. Um, I think Jason Reynolds' track series focuses on young kids overcoming troubled pasts, but I don't know that much more about them. So I haven't, I haven't quite dug into them yet. I was going to say that it's interesting when you do read a bit out of like the normal category that you read, you know, just enough to like recommend books to like a general reader. But then when you get like a specific request, it can be one of those moments where you're like, oh man, I don't know anything about this, you know, Um, (laughs) which is, which is really where I fell with this question too. And I have a couple of recommendations that are less about the the overcoming trauma part and more about dealing with tough stuff when you are in those middle grade years. Um, I think Kate Messner is a really great author who explores this. Uh, the Seventh Wish, for example, is about a girl who lives with an older sister who struggles with op- opioid addiction. Um, and I think Kelly Yang's Front Desk would be another really great one. It's It takes on a story of a young girl who works in the hotel where her parents work, they're immigrants, and they provide space for new immigrants and have to keep it quiet so that they don't get found out what they're doing here and risk compromising all of the help they're giving other immigrants as well as the help that they have found settling in uh, America. And it's it's really smart on race and class, and um, though it's not overcoming trauma, I feel like there is a lot there that 
can help a reader think about trauma and the different ways that trauma plays out or what it can look like. Um, so those are my my two recommendations for this. Those are good. Yeah, this is a tough one. The next one, the question reads, I've been trying to read things other than fantasy, but still keep the fierce women in the story. I love this question oh, so yes. much. So I came up with two. Uh, the first one being With a Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. This is a contemporary fiction. came out this year, and it's about a teen girl who is in her senior year of high school. She has a daughter. She lives with her grandmother, and she's trying to figure out what it is she wants to do with her life. Um, why I pick this one for this question is it's so rare to see a teen mom portrayed in YA as this super successful, goal-driven person, and that's who um, the main character is in this book. And it's just incredible. Um, not only is she this like fascinating and fully developed character but her grandma is pretty awesome as well um so you get you get this nice intergenerational like exploration of where that fierceness in somebody can come from and then my second pick is going back to mindy mcginnis is heroin by mindy mcginnis which is one of my favorite books this year about a girl who uh she is in a car accident with her best friend and they we're softball players. So she starts to take a pain reliever to hopefully get back on the field as soon as she can, but she finds herself becoming addicted to opioids. And the reason I put this one in that fierce women is this is such a, a timely topic and the way that McGinnis digs into it is really smart and savvy and manages to really give Mickey, the main character, so much strength when she's in this really terrible situation um and i feel like the acevedo and the mcginnis books are really interesting to read side by side when you think about fierce women because they offer up such a range of like what that can be and what that looks like outside of of a fantasy novel i like that and i like that we can <laughs> you can pretty much just say like well any mindy mcginnis novel ever <laughs> when talking about regards to like fierce women in YA, mm -hmm. right? So like not a drop to drink, like is a perfect example of that. Uh I feel like there's gonna be a lot of Mindy Minaginis on this episode. <laughs> sorry, listeners, but um You're not, yeah, not sorry. a drop to drink. Yeah, I'm not sorry. <laughs> 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 not a drop to drink is one of my favorite uh YA novels. It features some very fierce ladies in both the first uh one and the sequel. What else do we have? We have uh Erin Bowman's Vengeance Bound duology, I think is a great example of that. It reads like a YA true grit. Uh, I can't recommend the audiobook enough. Uh, I haven't done many YA novels, uh, on audio. I just, I don't know, when, usually when I'm traveling and I'm doing audiobooks, I'll listen to like, I don't know, whatever celebrity memoir is hot at the moment because I want them to read to me. Um, but with Aaron Bowman's book, the, just, the narration is so great. It has the southern, uh, accent and just, ugh, I loved it so much. Um, Slay by Brittany Morris, which is about an awesome gamer girl, uh, fighting for her users and herself. Um, and really, I think maybe any of the books by Stacey Lee, uh, might be good to add in there too. Um, I also wrote down, uh, Gunslinger Girl, which came out last year, but I don't remember the name of the author. Um, uh, but it's another, like, true gritty style, uh, YA novel. I love that you threw in some westerns here, and even Stacey Lee's book. Uh, yeah, the yeah. first one, Western. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. You probably didn't even realize you did that. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'll do the next one. So, um, something for a 16-year-old boy who used to love to read, uh, but forced reading in school that is level, quote-unquote, appropriate, has taken all the joy out of it. Mm. Not a lot of violence, likes fast-paced, male-centric that still has emotional resonance because he's a tender kid. I love this question. Yeah. I love this question so much. Um, and it's also a tricky question. Like, both you and I agree that books don't have genders, but they're... The reality is, like, kids go to school and they're taught, you know, boy book, girl book. Yeah. And I think that sometimes getting those kids who are taught that into reading is by sort of, like, leaning into that. You know, give them that book that has that awesome male character. And then you can start giving them books that will expand beyond, like, their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, so my recommendations kind of go into that. Um, I immediately thought about Michael Northrup. He writes a lot of middle grade, but he's written a few YA books. Uh, he wrote a book called Rotten, which is about a boy, I want to say he's 16, um, who develops this relationship with a Rottweiler that his mom uh, adopts. And it's this really tender-hearted story about this friendship he develops with a dog and about how that helps him sort of find himself when he's challenged with social challenges and social like connections in his, his school life. <laughs> and then um the other Northrop book that I recommend that I always loved to book talk in high schools was uh it's called Trapped and it's about a group of kids who get stuck in their high school when a blizzard hits. And so they have to like survive in their high school when they're trapped. It is one of those stories where you're like, this is sort of every high schooler's nightmare. You're stuck in school. <laughs> um, and, you know, the power goes out, so it starts getting cold. How are they going to cook any food? Like, what's going to be in the cafeteria? And more than that, like, it's got a lot of great emotional stuff in there as well. And then uh, my my next recommendation is something totally different than those two. And I'll say I don't remember the violence in this one. I don't think that there is any if there is it's not much and it's called 172 hours on the moon by johan harstead and it's a fast-paced action adventure about three teens who are sent to the moon as part of an experiment to like find out if there's anything going on on the moon and guess what there is something going on on the moon <laughs> and that is 172 hours on the moon by johan harstead uh, so for me, I, I wonder if Perks of Being a Wallflower might be a good pick mm. here, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. it's definitely emotionally resident, uh, but it's also really short. Mm -hmm. uh, and then afterwards, he can watch the movie with his friends or you and talk about it. Um, that's something that always gets me extra hyped to dig into books again after a bit of a dry spell doing the whole book movie thing. Uh, you could potentially do that with... Um, oh, no. I was going to say maybe you could do that <laughs> with uh, Paper Towns, but that movie was... Um, the movie was not great. Uh, okay. Uh, I think uh, I also can't help but think about Dear Martin as mm. a great get, great get back into reading book. Uh, again, it's short, but it's super gripping. It's really emotional. And like the unique structure makes you want to like spend a lot of time uh, looking at everything on the page. That's a really good recommendation. And it's funny because I have a couple of Nick Stone books mentioned for a couple other questions. But I feel like any of her books are really great for readers who aren't necessarily like big readers but mm -hmm. want to get into it because she writes i think some of the most authentic teen characters like somebody's gonna read it and be like oh yeah i'm that kid or i know that kid oh i agree you know she she just she nails the voice the uh next question speaking of nick stone is 
what I'm going to recommend one of her books for. And it's the question is something for young YA readers who have aged out of middle grade. So I've got a bunch of uh, recommendations for this one. And I'll start with Jackpot by Nick Stone. Um, I love this book. It is funny and it's fun. And um, the main character, she's older, but it's totally appropriate for those middle grade readers who are ready for YA. And it's about a girl who sells a winning lottery ticket and she is bound and determined to track down the winner who is this elderly woman. And so it's about her and this boy that she meets trying to track down the winner. My next recommendation is another one that came out this year, but I didn't see very much about it. It's called In the Key of Niragani by Natasha Dean. And it's about a girl who um, grows up in an immigrant household. I believe she's Ghanan, Ghanan, Ghanian, uh, Canadian. And so there's a lot of like expectations about what she'll do with her life. Uh, she's got all these opportunities she never would have had. And she decides she wants to get into music and singing, which is something she, um, has always been afraid to sort of approach. And it's the story of her slowly wading her toe into music and how this passion intersects with the challenges of being the daughter of immigrants. I want to say she's a freshman or sophomore, so she's a young high schooler in this one. I also highly recommend Jason Reynolds' early books. So The Boy in the Black Suit would be a great one, uh, as would, oh, what's, do you remember the name of the one with the uh, crochet on the cover, Eric? Ooh. No, I don't know that one. No? Oh, I can, like, picture... When We Were the Greatest, I think, is the name of it. Oh. Um, I'll put it in the show notes, but these are his early YA books, and he gets how teens talk, he gets how teens relate, and, and their stories, and I feel like he does so with a way that um, has great crossover appeal to middle graders. And then the last recommendation I have is uh, Tiffany Schmidt's Bookish Boyfriend series. There's two in the series now, and I believe there's three more coming. They're about the same girls, but you don't have to read them in order to understand what's going on. And they are uh, essentially modernized versions of classic stories. And so you get these girls who, you know, happen to have these boys who are their fictional, like, interests, for lack of a better word, who are part of their real life. They're fun and they're clever. And I'm going to recommend them again in a moment. But those are my recommendations. What about you? I just love thinking about, like, Tiffany Schmidt's Bookish Boyfriend series and how, like, she went from, like, those Once Upon a Crime books where, like, <laughs> that well, the first one they were, like, stealing kidneys or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, to these. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like I like her, her like, breadth of work there. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah, so more Nick Stone love. Hooray. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I don't really have anything for this, but I think one day we're going to have to mm-hmm. dig into the whole – conversation of like lower YA and why we don't see much of it anymore. Uh, I feel like that's a whole episode with like a person in an industry where we just, we yell at them a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. Why don't we have it? Um, yeah. But not me. Don't, don't yell at the agent. It's not mine. <laughs> Do you want to hit the next book or question rather? Yeah. So uh, books for young folks who like the coldest winter ever. Oh, and mysteries and thrillers with diverse characters. For kids who love Tiffany Jackson. So one of my recs is one that I think you're going to talk about, and that's Lamar Giles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love him so much, and I'm excited for his first contemporary novel to hit next year. I'd also probably recommend Brandy Colbert, um, particularly because of the twistiness of Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? So I would throw out Tyrell 
by Kobe ah, for yes. uh, Coldest Winter Ever. You and I read that. Um, listeners can go back and listen to our book club discussion of that. But it's like that like gritty urban story. Um, and in Coldest Winter Ever, if I'm remembering this correctly, there is a thread about um, drug dealing. And that comes up in Co- uh, Kobus' book as well. So I think that there's a lot of interesting connections there that the reader would love. As far as mysteries and thrillers with diverse characters... I immediately thought of uh, Spin and Fake ID by Lamar Giles, uh, both great, um, fast-paced, like, thrillers with diverse characters. And then also Melinda Lowe's A Line in the Dark, which came out last year. All, if I remember correctly, uh, characters of color in that, that thriller with that amazing cover. So we're supposed to have a second sponsor, but funny enough, as I was reading the second sponsor, I'm like, oh, that was actually the pre-roll. So, um... Second sponsor is still the Read Harder Journal, which you guys is awesome. And we'll just continue on with our our questions. So uh, the next one is funny books about depression. And I am so glad we got this question because I want to rave about the book I just finished, which is Who Put the Song On by Morgan Parker. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Um, I have not seen many people talk about this book, and it was phenomenal. So it's a... fictionalized version of Morgan's real experiences uh, growing up in Southern California and being a black girl with depression and anxiety and what it was like to live in this world that was quite conservative. And also um, she went to a very religious school. So she is navigating a ton of really fascinating dynamics here. And at heart, it's about what depression looks like and feels like. But Morgan, uh, the main character's name is Morgan, um, is hilarious. Like, so, so funny. And at times it's like, she's funny because she is funny. And other times it's funny because she is, she's got this meta commentary on her own mental illnesses that, like, if you've experienced any of these, you find it funny because otherwise you would cry because it's so spot on. Um, and I cannot recommend it enough. I hope more people pick it up because it was so good. And it's one of those books you've got to read the author's note at the end as well as her. Um, she's got like a list of resources, but it's not your typical like hotlines and stuff. Um, it's a little bit different. And that is Who Put the Song On by Morgan Parker. All right, I have that sitting on my shelf, and I need to I need to dive into it. Um, and funny books about depression is tricky. Um, maybe it's kind of a funny story by by mm. Ned Vizinzi. Um, let me see. Uh, my heart in black holes by Jasmine Wargig. It's pretty heavy, but there's a lot of humor and heart in it. And maybe six goodbyes we never said by Candace Ganger. I mean, that's a pretty sad book, but the voice is is super funny. So. Uh, yeah, I feel like all the recommendations I just made are like, these are sad, but the voice <laughs> is funny and you're going to laugh. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how a lot of mental health books have to be. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're sad and they're tough, but like that through line with humor and the voice, like, I don't want to say makes it relatable, but makes it more authentic yeah. in some some way. So let's see. So the next one, uh, young adult books where the main character has synesthesia or other than a mango shaped space. Bonus points if said books also include a queer character. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything for this very specific <laughs> one. What, what about you? So synesthesia for listeners who might not be familiar with it is this idea that I shouldn't say idea. It's this reality that people can sense different senses in different ways. So they might taste color or see sound. Um, and 
like, whenever I think of synesthesia, a mango-shaped space is always the first one that comes to mind. Because uh, I believe that was the first book I read where a character had that. But I did a little digging and I found a couple. Um, the first one I've got is Shade Me by Jennifer Brown. And that one is a thriller. And I think it's a, a trilogy. So there's at least two books, maybe three. Um, I cannot comment on the queer rep in that one because I have no idea. I haven't read that one. Um, and then the other title I've got is Ultraviolet by RJ Anderson, which has some uh, ace rep in it as everything that I read about that book mentioned. And I believe that that's a duology. So um, I've got two racks, haven't read either one of them, but read a few reviews to like feel out how other readers were reading them. And both both came back pretty solid. The next question, I have a 14-year-old girl to shop for, not my kid, who only really got into reading about a year ago and interestingly has mostly been reading classics. She adored Jane Eyre, Sense and Sensibility, The Scarlet Letter, and others. She wants to also read what her friends are reading, but said she doesn't know what would hold her interest among YA. Any recs, either contemporary or fantasy, that would be great for a quiet, serious, classics-loving young woman. And this is where I'm just going to say Tiffany Schmidt's Bookish Boyfriend series would be perfect. They're, <laughs> they're a play on classics, and the girls are super bookish, and um, these are just, they're darn fun books. And... Um, I love too, like if you're thinking about gifting books to or uh, thinking about teens buying books, these are all paperback originals, so they're already at a lower price point than a hardcover, um, which is rad. I love that so much. Yeah, and my recommendation is uh, Blair Thornburg's Ordinary Girls, which came out this year. Uh, it's a Jane Austen retelling and a fun, quiet YA contemporary about sisters. Mm. Next one. I have a friend looking for YA books for someone uh, with a taste for dark and original fantasy, uh, but has mental health cognitive issues that make reading long books difficult. Need the depth, but not the length. This is a good question and a tough one. Yeah. I've got two wrecks, and I, I like wrecking these two together because I feel like they go together very, very well. And that is Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and Cornelia Funke, um, which not only is based on the film, so there's that opportunity to do that book film thing as we talked about earlier, but it's illustrated too. So that makes it kind of fun and super approachable is that it's not the super thick book, but rather one that has some art in it. So there's a lot to absorb. And then The Waking Forest by Lisa Weiss is under 300 pages and has a lot of similar elements to Pan's Labyrinth and I think would appeal for fantasy readers looking for something that has that depth, that has something really clever and creative, um, but is not necessarily a super lengthy investment of time. Yeah, fantasy's hard. Um, mm -hmm. I would say if they happen to like sci-fi too, maybe toss in Cecil Castellucci on that mm -hmm. list. Um, a lot of her books are, you know, sci-fi fantasy and happen to be pretty short. We talked about that in the last episode, I, uh, mm -hmm. I think. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I'm hard, hard pressed on that one. Yeah, it's, that's a challenging one because a lot of fantasy books require a lot just to build the world. Yeah. So good question because that's a tough one. All right. Our next question asks for a book with a character who is both deaf and blind. Whew. I cannot think of a single one, Eric. I searched for this one for a long time, and I can think of a great book with a deaf main character, and that's Five Flavors of Dumb by Anthony John. And um, it's not an own voices story, but many deaf readers have said it's got 
solid representation. It's about a girl who, um, she's deaf, but decides to take on managing a popular band at her high school. And then uh, for blind representation, I immediately went to Cody Keplinger and her book Run. It's own voices. She herself is blind. So you know that it's going to be a solid representation. Yeah, I have nothing there. So I'll just defer to you there. <laughs> All right. Next question. This is a this is a two-parter because these questions were really similar. So first one is, I've got a lot of friends who are queer women who I'd love to give books to this season, but most of the popular LGBTQIA books are male, male romances. I'd love some female-female recs or female non-binary recs, particularly in science fiction, but any genre is good. And then the related question is, I just read Rosie Thor's Tarnished Are the Stars, and it reminded me a lot of The Disasters, but it also made me realize I want more queer kids in space stories. So queer kids in space stories, please. And bonus points if there's ace rep in it. Thank you. Uh, I immediately went to Adaptation and Inheritance by Melinda Lowe, which are alien stories. So not necessarily in space, but definitely sci-fi and definitely queer romances. Um, I particularly love this duology because Lowe does something really unique with the romance at the end that I hadn't seen done um, in YA before then. And even now is super, super rare to see. So um, Adaptation and Inheritance both are out. Both are excellent. Yeah, and while they're not in the sci-fi space, I I, I know our question uh, asked for, um, you know, didn't necessarily say only sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'd recommend uh, Ashley Herring Blake, uh, Robin Talley, J. Robin Brown. There's so many brilliant folks uh, writing in that space. Um, I'm struggling a little on the sci-fi right now, but I think Rebecca Kim Wells's Shadow of the Sky uh, fantasy series might be good. Um, I also think all of Audrey Colthurst's books might be uh, good to put in your to-be-read stack, too. Um, also, there's a fun plug for a favorite YA author of ours, Dahlia Adler. Um, she has this awesome database on LGBTQ reads that you should check out. I bet uh, you'll find something in there. And I'll, I'll link to that, too, because I think a lot of our readers are probably looking for these sorts of books. And while we know quite a bit, we certainly don't have the sort of, like, database that she has going. No, that, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I find it super useful when I'm looking looking for stuff. So um, I'll share that in the sh- show notes so can, everybody can take a peek at it. Uh, next question, looking for YA slash middle grade books for a kiddo who has just come out as bi and also struggles with anxiety. My immediate pick was Queens of Geek by Jen Wilde, which is set at a con. And there is a lot of stuff here about sexuality, about discovering like what what your preferences are, as well as what it's like to have anxiety, period. And one of the um, teens who is at this con has just incredible anxiety. And the sort of social anxiety that Wilde puts into this story is so spot on, so incredible. And I'll bring up an eternal Hey YA favorite, and that's Becky Albertalli with Leah on the Offbeat. Uh, when are we going to get that movie adaptation? You know, we're getting the TV show... Uh, We got Love, Simon. Uh, Give me the Leah movie. And she has, like, the best mom in the history of YA moms. I love it. I love it. Eric, this question's for you. Oh, my God, this question. (laughs) I need a book about a girl who dresses up as a food. Okay. (laughs) Okay, smart listener. Uh, I know someone out there is dragging me for my love of Hot Dog Girl by Jennifer (laughs) Dugan. I see through it. Uh... 
I tweeted a joke about this, and several people sent me a screenshot of uh, Scout dressed up as Ham and To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and also, <laughs> there is another book, <laughs> like a couple of books that have teens dressed up as as food, a girl dressed up as a food. Um, but but we'll we'll hang tight to that because I think we're going to talk about one of them shortly. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I want, this is the next question, I want a YA set in the South that feels Southern, but is not stereotypical Southern, you know? And I do know. <laughs> For a long time, I was looking at a bunch of books set in Texas, and I was like, okay, but Texas is a different kind of Southern. So I'm assuming that this reader means like Southeast, Southeast Southern. And I went with a historical book. It's In the Neighborhood of True by Susan Kaplan Carlton. And it digs into the um, debutante world in Atlanta, as well as Jewish prejudices and um, religious challenges going on. I believe it's the 1950s. It might be the 60s. Um, But it's so Southern, uh, so Atlanta of a certain time, of a certain class, um, that was fascinating and super immersive. Um, and that is In the Neighborhood of True by Susan Kaplan Carlton. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and recommend uh, Jeff Zettner's, wow, I almost said bibliography, but that is not, <laughs> that is not correct. Is it? No. It can be. Why not? I'll just recommend his pile of books for your table. Uh, the Serpent King is an eternal favorite of mine, and his other two are just fantastic. They're just... Very funny and heartbreaking. Um, that mashup there is a big part of his brand, so uh, so be ready. All right. Next up, we have I live in Maine and would love to have a YA book that's not about romance, <laughs> but about a strong female friendship. Hmm. Oh, this was a tough one. Um, the only books set in Maine that I could come up with are fantasy books or horror books, and none of them are especially friendship driven. Um, so I did some digging and again, even struggled while digging, but I, I pulled up a title that I'm going to recommend not having read it. Um, it's from 2008. It won a number of accolades when it came out and it's by Maria Padian, who, um, I trust her work. I read a number of her books. So the book is called Brett McCarthy, Work in Progress, and I'm just going to read the description because it's pretty short. Um, Brett McCarthy lives for soccer, vocabulary words, and her larger-than-life grandma, Nana. Unfortunately, Brett's got a huge mouth that she can't seem to tame, an opinion she can't keep to herself. It's thanks in part to both of these things, and really, the evil genie Anne, that Brett finds herself going from good student and BFF to Diane to twice-upended, friendless, and lunching with the principal every day. Indefinitely. So when Nana starts going in for lots of medical tests and no one will tell why, Brett's already up, turned upside down world goes from bad to worse and she's not sure where she fits, who she is, how to make right what she and her big fat mouth have done. Um, this is Padian's first book, main character's 14, and it's supposed to be quite funny as well. All right. I got nothing on that one. <laughs> that one is yours. <laughs> The next question is like catnip for us. Um, I'm looking for two types of book. First is a new twisty mystery for the cold winter months. And uh, I'm looking for a cute romantic comedy, preferably with a main character of color. And so I'm going all in on the rom-com, cuteness, main character of color part of the question. And Maureen Goo, 
all the way. Um, start with the way you make me feel, which is set on a food truck and totally delightful. And if you have any like foodie proclivities, we'll scratch all those itches. Um, once you finish that one, you'll want to read all the rest of her books. Oh, yes. Totally a favorite. Um, probably also Symptoms of a Heartbreak by Sona Charpotra. Um, and I Love You So Mochi by Sarah Kuhn mm-hmm. uh, on the rom-com front. She wears a food costume. Yes! <laughs> uh, and this listener does sound like the two of us, by the way. Like, I want a fun rom-com, but I also want something dark where people die in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds sounds about right. Um, and is it that I Am Still Alive by Kate Alice Marshall? Like, a yeah. big, big fave? I feel like that would be uh, in that stack, too. Yeah, that's a really good one. Nice and twisty, nice and dark. Perfect for those cold awful winter months. <laughs> yeah. So the next one, uh, I love a YA fantasy with a unique premise, like Roar with its sentient storms, or Walk on Earth a Stranger with its twist on the gold mining era. Uh, for me, I added in, you know, maybe Lydia Kang's The November Girl, which I, I know I've talked about quite a bit on here. Um, what about you, Kelly? So as somebody who's not a big fantasy reader, I was like, I don't know how to answer this question. So I went to the experts who I knew could answer this question, uh, fellow book writers, and they gave me two really great recommendations. So the first one is The Epic Crush of Jeannie Lowe, which is a series by F.C. Lee. And it's, um, I'm going to read the description of this one. Uh, it, uh, Jeannie Lowe is among droves of Ivy hopeful overachievers in her sleepy Bay Area suburb. When she's not crushing it at volleyball, Jeannie is typically working on how to crack the elusive Harvard entry code. When her hometown comes under siege from the hellspawn straight out of Chinese folklore, her priorities are dramatically rearranged. Enter Quentin's son, a mysterious new kid who becomes Jeannie's guide to battling demons. While Jeannie knows Quentin only as the attractive transfer student, in another reality, he is Sun Wukong the mythological monkey king incarnate. Suddenly, acing the SATs is the least of Jeannie's worries. Um, And that's a series uh, that you might want to check out. And then this other one, um, I feel like nails it so well. It's um, Light at the Bottom of the World by London Shaw. Yes. And um, it's London Underwater. She like the girl lives underwater, which sounds awesome. It is awesome. I love that book so, so much. Let's see our last one here. Please give me excellent diverse sci-fi by authors of color. Also constantly searching for anything with Palestinian rep or ace demi rep. Many thanks. Um, so I was looking up to be the agent on this one, so I probably should bring it up, but oh well. Uh, that's Sengu Mandana's A Spark of White Fire. It's a space opera, uh, YA series, and I love it so much. What about you, Kelly? Well, I... We'll go back to Melinda Lowe's books um, that I talked about before. But really, Eric, I am so disappointed in you. Oh, I know. Wait. You're correct. I did leave out a favorite. Listeners, he left out a favorite. So instead of giving my rack, I'm going to give this space over to Eric to give this rack because it is a shame that he did not put this down. I know. So have you read Hatchet? No. So it's... uh... (laughs) It is Want by Cindy Pond, which I love so much. Uh, and the sequel, uh, blew my mind. Set in, it's set in the future Taipei where just smog and pollution is everywhere. People are dying. Rich people live in exosuits. Um, it's just such an incredible read. And you know what I just thought of as we were talking is, um, Alicia Dow's The Sound of Stars, which doesn't come out till February, but you know, you could always pre-order it for somebody. Um, it's about a world where mankind is sort of, 
what's the word, like suppressed all their emotions. Uh, it's caused a lot of trouble with a invading uh, alien force that has taken over the planet. And it's about a, a swoony alien boy who's maybe in love with human music uh, and shouldn't be. Uh, and a girl with a secret library of it. And uh, it's so magical. And it comes out uh, comes out in a few months. A swoony alien is not a phrase that I thought would ever be of interest to me. The sound of stars. (laughs) So good. So thanks, everybody, for these great questions. We tried to answer them all, and where we didn't have an answer, we tried to find an answer. So um, if you asked a question or any of these questions resonated with you or any of the books resonated with you, check the show notes. We'll have all those. We'll have the link to Dahlia's excellent database of LGBTQ reads. And uh, on that note, thanks y'all for tuning in this week. If you have any feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. That lets us know how we're doing as well as helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen, and you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.